circumstances that we bring before you today. Lord, there are many, many circumstances out there that need you. We need you so bad. And we just pray, Father, that you would minister to each person that was spoken of today, all the people on our hearts, Father God, to this nation, to this state, to this city, and to this church, Father God. Please minister. We claim that you are our strong tower and you are the rock on which we stand. And we are so grateful for you and for the love of Jesus that he gave his life for us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Liesl. Uh, we do thank you again for your continued obedience and giving of tithes and offerings <coughs> and just for uh, allowing us to be God's hands and feet to our community. Um, once again, we were presented with a request and we're able to uh, buy a tank of gas for somebody that was just in need and just to share, we were showing God's love in a practical way. And because we have been able to uh, give to the local church, the local church gets to reveal Jesus' love in a practical way to people in our community. So we thank you uh, so much for that opportunity um, to do so. Uh, Thursday and Friday, I was at district conference with Adam. What is district conference? Like, why are you talking about this? Well, it happens once a year, and I think it helps connect us with what the Wesleyan Church is. It is a denomination, but it's part of a district of which there's over 140 uh, churches on that district. This is only the center section. It was, for me, it was a huge gathering. There were over a thousand people uh, there just um, worshiping and really celebrating that first night. The 18 ordinands, which I found out it meant 18 people are now ordained and uh, prepared for vocational ministry. But what a great celebration to uh, be a part of. And uh, it was awesome to see, and this is probably taking advantage of the situation, maybe, but I sat behind Adam. And it was fun just in the three weeks that Adam was here, just to see him kind of come out of his shell a little bit to understand like it's not just a ministry class but this is what God's calling me into and just to be there together was just remarkable uh the area or the population that the district represents is from New Jersey and Pennsylvania and New York so it's all the major cities from Philadelphia to New York City to Boston Hartford 50 million people are represented by our district that we have the ability to reach, that God might use us to be his hands and feet, to present the gospel to him. And I was just so encouraged that the district was saying, we cannot reach out to people by saying, you need to come to church Sunday morning. We invite people Sunday morning. Hopefully we all do. And there's somebody in mind that you're like, oh, I need to invite them next week. But it's more than that. It's how can we live life Monday through Saturday or even Sunday afternoon where they gain a respect for you're a Christian and well, you're normal or you're a Christian. You aren't judging me on what I'm wearing or what I'm doing. You just love me because as Christians, we believe God's Holy Spirit is going to convict hearts and bring change where change is necessary. And I thought, Again, I'm very pleased to be part of a denomination that I align with. Not because I think, oh, denominations are great. I just thought for me, it provides me accountability and allows me to grow and to uh, share with us that we're part of something larger, not the church universal, but just within the district of denomination as well. So be encouraged. Don't just say, oh, Wesleyans. It's all about Wesleyans. Because I do know if I surveyed half 
uh, surveyed all of you. Only half of you could probably say what a Westling is as defined by the denomination. And that's okay. I mean, I think that's probably good and what we want to be in uh, central Vermont. But as we continue this morning, I was trying to prepare a sermon when I hadn't prepared a sermon for two weeks. And you might say, well, Jeff, you had two weeks to prepare this sermon because Adam preached for two weeks. And I was like, ah, that's kind of funny because I was thinking like, hey, we're going to have a party and it's going to be fun. And I'm going to have yard games and I'm going to see friends. My brother's coming up. And then last night it's like, oh, yeah, I have a sermon to prepare tomorrow and all these thoughts that I had in mind that. I think it makes sense because I did pray about it, but we'll just go with what we're going with. The book of Acts, going back to what Jay said a few uh, weeks ago, Dad, you said you were going to preach on Acts. And I said, yeah, but there was something else I wanted to preach on, but we returned to Acts. And the book of Acts provides the basic history of the spread of Christianity during the three decades immediately following the death and resurrection of Jesus. This is taken from the Amplified Version Study Bible, which I have. At the beginning of each book of the Bible, they have like a section, a page explaining what the book is about. Whereas there are four Gospels in the life of Christ, there is only one book in the New Testament that traces the expansion of the early church. Acts has been identified as a pivotal book of the New Testament. There are two words within that uh, paragraph that I want to point out. You can see them here highlighted. I won't read it all. It says the spread and expansion, spread and expansion of the early church of the early church. As I was having a conversation with someone recently, they said, Jeff, I don't know if we should be proselytizing people or asking people to convert to Christianity. And I'm like, well, I know what I think, but I'm learning. You can ask Adam. I've learned learning to ask a question and not answer when there's uh, silence. And so it's like, what do you mean? Because I know what I want to say, but what do you mean? And they were like, well, I think if the Holy Spirit's big enough, he's just going to woo them and compel them to that place. I was like, that's a great point. But I also think sometimes God invites us to ask others to be a part of what he's done in our lives, to see a witness like, hey, that is awesome. But do you know what happened in my life that brought me to this point? We get to tell stories. So tell stories. And as we tell stories, God connects the dots and unifies like that conversion. It's nothing that we did. It's we just told the story of what God did. And I think that is so good. This book of Acts is about the spread and expansion of the church. Have we shared with others in a way where the church can continue to spread and to grow with great hope? Great hope of who we have in Jesus. Acts 1. We're only uh, speaking on one verse today. One verse. And you can say, that is awesome. But if it's one verse for a sermon and it's 9.30 now, yeah, we'll be done at 10. But um, one verse might take us a little while. In the first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. First book, who's the author? It's Luke. The Gospel of Luke is the first book. It's Dr. Luke. He was a physician. So if you want to say, hey, who wrote this? Well, it's Dr. Luke. Was it his is MDiv or was it a physician? He was a physician. He wasn't like one that went to seminary and all this grad school and so on. So uh, interesting point. Dr. Luke's Enneagram 
is thought to be the same Enneagram type as Bethany. So, hey, you can connect the dots if you like the Enneagram. If you think it's satanic, forget I ever said that. So in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. This is Luke writing, I told you, I told you, I told you. So at district conference, I always... This is probably kind of pride in me, or maybe it's not. I always wonder, like, what if the speaker can't make it? And they say, Jeff, like, God put it on my heart that uh, you have a message for us. I was like, oh, I wonder what I'd say. Or the commencement at graduations. I'm just wondering, like, what if I was asked or invited to a commencement? What would I say? What would I discuss? What would I share? And I think I would say that we've learned how to survive alone through the pandemic but community is greater. We have learned to grit our teeth, to bear it, to push through the isolation, the pandemic, whatever the case might be, and just to say, I can worship online. It took more focus. It took more intention. I learned to do these things, but community is greater. You could say that, you know, uh, I've really tried to make it through, and it's really been uh, positive because I can look back and see what God's done in my life to bring maturity. But then we realize that isolation is bad and solitude is good based on the example of Jesus. Jesus got away often to meet with his dad and pray and to talk and discuss and cry out and say, what do you want me to do? And this is helped in what we should be doing. And sometimes we just go around with our own friends and say, hey, I just want to shout and complain. And I need you to say, hey, your complaining's fine. But I would suggest that Jesus needed to shout at his father and say, God, daddy, I don't want to do this but not my will, but yours be done. And we can work out our salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that we are meeting with Jesus, not just like-minded people. The like-minded people we should be meeting with are those that are pursuing Jesus. We've learned how to survive being alone, but community is greater. That's why Luke is writing to his friend, Theo. Who is Theo? Well, in Luke 1.3, he's the most honorable. How would you or do you have any friends that you introduce as, this is the most honorable Dennis Doherty? This is the most honorable Elliot Elias? That's kind of like overwhelming. You're like, hey, just call me by my first name. But Luke wanted to distinguish his friend for a specific reason. It could be perhaps because... Theo assisted Luke with his expenses. And now a quick aside, it's Dr. Luke. He's a physician, and I know it wasn't the same as today, but I'm like, why would a doctor need help with finances? Is he a bad money manager? What's he doing? Well, I think part of the scripture is just saying Luke needed somebody to walk alongside with him. He needed someone that he could vent to, but he needed someone that he could share the truth of Jesus with. We need to learn from, walk with, and invest in people in our lives. This first verse of Luke, it's uh, of Acts. Luke is saying the importance of having a friend, having somebody you can go to, having someone you can share with. And if I ask for a show of hands, which I'm not, I'm not. I would say, how many of you have a mentor? How many of you have a coach? How many of you have somebody that you're really trying to learn from, whether it's a professor, whether it's a teacher, that you're really trying to learn knowledge about how do I apply the Christian life? What has Jesus done in my life? If I asked you for a show of hands, I'd be like, I'm past that stage. 
Like I already went to Bible college. I've been in vocational ministry X amount of years. I've done this so long. I, it's just me and God. It's just me and God. Well, God uses people as well. And then who are you walking with? I have to pick up my dad for a second. When Promise Keepers was big, and my dad was all for Promise Keepers, but when Promise Keepers was big and everything, my dad said, well, my wife is my accountability partner. My wife is my accountability partner, which I think is very good, but I think there are also times that you need a Christian brother, a Christian sister, that you can really just get into life with, and they aren't saying, hey, I struggle with that too. Hey, we share the same temptation. Hey, that does not make sense in the Bible, so let's not even worry about it. Instead of saying, as iron sharpens iron, hey, you struggle, so do I. What does God say? Who can we learn from? Who can we engage in a conversation? How to reach the lost? How to meet with people? How to discuss these things so we are really being effective for the ministry of the gospel? And who can we invest in? I would say that Luke was not only walking with Theophilus, but he was also investing in him for the spread and expansion of the church, for the sake of the gospel, for the reality that we need hope, for the reality that when you get a call about an 11-year-old that's in the hospital because they don't think life is worth living. They don't think that their body matters. They don't think that anybody would care if they're no longer on this earth. What are we doing as a church? We could say, hey, they need to stop doing that, or they need to... Why don't we just ask how God could use us to intercede, to get in the gap, and just to say, you matter, we love you, we care about you, whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're tempted by, we as a church care because God cares for us for the sake of the gospel, the good news, the freedom that he gives. This is why we're here. It's not just so we can say, hey, church was great. You sang my favorite song, and I love the people I was with. My best friend came. I hadn't seen him for two weeks. That's not why the church is to gather. Revelation 12.11 says, they defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony, by telling the stories, by sharing what God had done in their life, by sharing that they were not perfect, that they struggled, but they went through, and they did not loved their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Sometimes we're a little bit afraid to step out, to pray in public, to say something. First, because we know we're human, and God does too, but we can't share our testimonies and say, hey, this happened, and I still struggle with it, but this happened, and God moved in my life. Like, I focused on Jesus, and this is a benefit that happened, and these are the people I've been able to reach out. And I think God would have us say, by his sacrifice and the power of our testimony that reveals Jesus. Now, hey, look at me. I'm so good. I probably shared it before, but I was listening to a sermon and I liked it. So I stole the illustration, which at times I do. Right, Bert? At times, not a lot. But this guy said, when we hear, hey, God chose you, we feel like, of course he did. I'm a winner. Of course he did. Like, look at my personality. Of course he did. Like, I have all these talents. Of course God chose me because he wants instead of being overwhelmed with humility, like God chose me because in and through me, his power could change and reveal itself to others that he loves them and he cares about what they're going through and he gives hope. 
In my first book, I told you, so he's not going alone, about everything Jesus began to do and to teach. So the word that popped out to me was began. Began. He began to share. You need a starting point where you begin to share with others what Jesus has done. And in Philippians, Paul writes, I'm sure of this, that you who began, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Jesus who began. You might say, well, I can't preach because I'm only here. Well, you could preach if God asks you to preach. Like all you have to do is read the Bible, listen to God, and take some notes. And that's a sermon. You can volunteer even though, well, I'm just a new Christian. I'm new to this local church. I, I don't know if people like me. Well, it's really not about being liked. It's about knowing that God loves you in such a way that you can reach out to others. So whether it's setting up chairs or leading music or helping with the children, you don't have to worry about, well, it's a, I, I just began. I just started here. Just know that God has a plan for us. This is from the Faith Life Study Bible. And it's more specifically to this. The ministry of Jesus recorded in the Gospel of Luke was not the end of Christ's work. Acts recounts the ongoing work of Jesus through the Holy Spirit in the early church. So Luke is saying, in the book of Acts, I started to tell you, but there's more. I started to tell you, but there's more. And oh, if we could be Christians, if we could be people. That we, we started with, hey, Jesus did this in my life and I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I have salvation. There's so much hope. But that's a starting point. If we could say, hey, being a Christian, I've faced this struggle. I've faced this temptation. I've faced this trial. I've had this rejection. I've questioned my, my faith. I've questioned who God is. And I'm just going to journey with you in the pursuit of Jesus to share that it began. But there's more to the story. Someone has said that we uh, identify what's most obvious. So if they said, hey, Jeff, your daughter's really tall. It's like, yeah, obviously. Have you seen her mom? If they said, Jeff, you look like you're Asian, like, what kind of Asian are you? It's like, I don't know, the good Asian. But if they're like uh, asking you, you can identify, sometimes we're just drawn. And if they said, well, what, what do you know about Jesus? And we say, he's a savior. Yes, he is. And that's probably the most distinguishable, greatest thing about Jesus being deity, being the savior. But he's so much more. Are we continuing to share of who Jesus is? Or is it just Jesus is the savior? What did he save you from? My sin in the past. Well, what's he doing now? I don't know. I mean, I'm going to heaven. We need to be ones that share about who Jesus is to begin to share what he's done and what he's taught. The Greek for do is to practice, to produce, and teaches like didactic, to instruct. Jesus has given us specific instructions, and sometimes we don't want to follow what he has said because it is difficult. It is hard. So um, a pastor that we had growing up, Vernon Scott, I don't know how many years ago was this, 20 maybe? Uh, he used to say that the river of life is free, but the plumbing costs. Is that is that what he was saying? So sometimes we're just like, hey, so I want to follow Jesus, but there's such a cost to my personal life, to changing and conforming. Sanctification is what uh, a lot of churches call it, this developing, this growing, this maturing into Jesus. Why do I want to practice uh, or do his instructions? Paul said, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. In the New Living Translation, it says, and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. 
when I was in uh, Brockville, Ontario, Centennial Road Church, I was actually a junior in college, much like Adam, doing my internship. I was speaking with the assistant pastor, and I forget his name now, which is probably bad. But anyway, I remember the story. Um, he was golfing with some friends, and he had a friend that said, I could never follow God. There's too many hypocrites. I could never be a Christian because that religion, do you know where they stand on this issue? Do you know the approach of some Christians? Which is funny to me because this was 1998, and we really haven't changed much. No, I'm sorry. This was 1996, and we really haven't changed much from Christians being seen as hypocrites, as people that are divided on issues, of people that take scripture out of context so they can promote or vote a certain way, people that just are so messed up. But I think that's always going to be the same. We just need to focus on Jesus. The point is, the assistant pastor leaned over to his friend who he was golfing with and said, that's okay. You watch my life and you follow me. When he shared that story at church, I thought, this guy is either proud or stupid. Like, I cannot believe you would say that to somebody. But that was before I read the scripture verse. And then he brought this scripture to mind, 1 Corinthians 1.11. It's like, oh. So I guess as we pursue God, it's okay. Because in Ephesians 1, it says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. We are imitating, asking people to imitate us. We're asking people to imitate God in us. That Colossians 3, 3, that we are content being hidden with Christ in God, that we are content not being seen, that we are content people not knowing our name. People, we are content with people saying, I don't know who the church is or what happened, but I just know I have a full tank of gas. We are content without getting the pack on, pat on the back of the accolades. We are content because somehow Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is connecting the dots because we are sharing him with others. In my first book, I told you, who are you telling about everything Jesus began to do and to teach, to instruct? Why is this so important? Well, we can survive alone, but it's better to live in community. Genesis 2.18, God in his creation said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper that is just right for him. So are you saying, hey, all the single ladies, you're about to get married. No, I don't think that's the point of this. The point is, it is not good for mankind to be alone. It is not good for mankind to be alone. This goes well beyond your personality type. This goes well beyond like what you've grown up experiencing or thinking was appropriate. This is, we need each other. In 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about the body of Christ. The body of Christ. When there's someone who loves Jesus, but they've been hurt by the church, maybe by one of us here, and they say, hey, I, I don't want to go to church. It's just going to be me and God from now on, me and God from now on. Frankly, based on Scripture, they suffer, and so do we. We need to be the body of Christ that cares for each other, that helps one another, that if there is surgery needed by on a broken arm, that we don't say, hey, it's broken, cut it off. But we look at somebody that is broken within our congregation and say, hey, you need Jesus and you need us to help and heal and know that he cares about everything you're going through. And we can be the body of Christ so we can be healthy and become to the community the light that they need to know that there is great hope and freedom in Jesus. 
So maybe you have this memorized by now. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach, which was to spread and expand the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Well, Jeff, I'm not an evangelist. Okay. Well, Jeff, I work from home, and all I have to witness to is my cat or my dog. Okay. Well, Jeff, you don't understand. You're right, I don't. I don't. Uh, poor Adam. Uh, Adam's driving with me down to district conference, so six hours in a vehicle, and I had the audacity to let it slip out of my mouth. I was just thinking it in my mind, but it kind of came out of my mouth. So uh, poor Adam, I was like, yeah, I usually like to drive to district conference alone because it's a great time to prepare my mind, and I just focus on things, and there's no noise, and I don't have to worry about anybody. And then I was like, oh, but no offense. Like, it's great having you here, too. <clears throat> I think, I hope, God understands those times and God um, gives us times of rest, but for the sole purpose that we could spread and expand his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So who are you learning from? Who are we walking with and who are we investing in? More practically, who are you praying for? Who are you inviting to church? Even more a practical who does your heart break over? What situation seems so devastating that it's going to take a miracle? Well, isn't it good that we are part of a faith that believes in a God of miracles? We need many, but God knows that his way will bring salvation. So stop walking alone. Stop thinking just because you made it through COVID, you can survive and do it yourself because you're a good Vermonter or a good farmer, or whatever we would say, because we can, we can do it. I've been hurt in the past, and I can just do it by myself. Let us be reminded of the ignorance in that statement and know that God is for us, and he loves us so much. I'm just going to uh, close in prayer, and then there's going to just be a song playing as we uh, wrap up and dismiss. And I want us to be a church that we don't say, hey, in the summer, like attendance is low or Jeff, since COVID, attendance is low. Or, but let us be a church of people, Christians, followers of Jesus that look with eyes and we see people that are driving by and we wonder, like, do they need Jesus? We, we go to the grocery store and the person that cuts us off and that, well, I was one of those people. It was 10 items only, but the other line was too long. And I had like 14 items. And I was like, hey, this line's shorter. But usually they annoy me. It's like, can't they count? And I can count. I just took advantage of the situation. And sometimes we're like, oh, so mad because they took advantage of our kindness. They took advantage of the generosity of the church. They took advantage. What if we said, wow, if they would only know Jesus as Savior, not as getting something, but the one that gives life. The one that says, you are forgiven. Go and sin no more. The one that cares about everything that we are dealing with. What if we had eyes to see as Jesus sees? We might walk and live a little differently. And perhaps even see an increase in this local church. But even more, know that the kingdom of God is being established on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, we thank you because you are so, so good.
the heartache and heartbreak that surrounds us, may they know your love and help us to be used by you to declare it and to reveal it to those in such need. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray.